Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter, my wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. bones. And when I say my, I'm talking about me, but you think about it as you. Uh, so a fire in our bones. I'm going to preach from Jeremiah, uh, a book that my mum used to pray over me. And uh, I was going to say sing over me, but she never sung it over me. Um, she can sing, but um, it's a great uh, verse. And so we're just going to, we're just going to, we're going to kick it off. And Jeremiah was a, an amazing man of God. And why I felt led a couple of weeks ago to preach from here or to read this was that Jeremiah was a prophet in a nation and a city that didn't want to hear the gospel. It doesn't take a lot to, to, to understand and to see with your spiritual eyes that the world is getting more intense about not wanting to hear the gospel. Uh, things that are not of the kingdom of God will always not want the things of God, uh, but it becomes a whole other ballgame entirely when it, it gets legislated. So Jeremiah is preaching the gospel, but again, he's called the weeping prophet. He would lament over the nation. He would preach. But every time he would preach, stuff would go terribly wrong. And it wasn't like, like what I can handle, I reckon, is if I preach one time or I tried something one time or I was in Coles and I gave a word, which happens, if it went well one time and then terribly and then well and then terribly, the wells would keep me going, Right? You know, I need that affirmation, I need that positive reinforcement, I need that testimony. Um, but every time Jeremiah preaches, it's like, and God says, and then he's thrown in a pit. And then God says, and then he's beaten up. And then God says, and he's stripped naked and he has to walk through the city. It's just small things, you know. Yeah. And I just think, I'm, I'm just going to read to you, check this out, Jeremiah 28 to 9. This is Jeremiah kind of talking to God. For whenever I speak... I cry out, I proclaim violence and destruction, for the word of God has become to me a reproach and a derision all day long. He's being very honest. He's saying the gospel has become exceptionally inconvenient to my comfort and my clothing. The gospel, the preaching of Jesus, the proclaiming and the prophesying over a nation and a city has caused me to be stood in derision in the town square. Every single time. But this next verse is so full of power and it gets me pumped. If I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, which a lot of Christians decide to do, his message becomes like a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones, and I become weary, wary of holding it in and I cannot prevail. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying, I really don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to prophesy anymore. What am I going to do this time? I'm held in derision. I'm a public nuisance. I'm ridiculed. But every time I even consider stepping back, every time I consider not preaching the gospel, it becomes like a fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary that if I don't say it, I'm going to explode. We clap and we amen, but what a horrible position to be in. I think that's you. I think that's me. I think that's the education system. I think that's so many Christians going, what should I do here? Because it's fine feeling like God's like, I'm with you. I'm here. I love you. Go preach. It's like, yes. And then you go preach and it's received poorly. I have a testimony for you from a couple of weeks ago. Not about God moving in power, but about it going poorly. 
haven't even told Anna this yet. I was at North Lakes. Just picking up a zombie game from EB Games. <laughs> and as I was leaving EB Games, there was a guy looking through the Wii U section, which is a console. And um, he was looking there, and I felt God say, speak to him. And I'm going to be honest with you. When God has said that to me most of the times in the past, and I've done it at Coles and at Universal, at General Pants, I like shopping, um, it's gone pretty well. People have cried, people have been touched, and it bolsters your faith. So I lent on the faith and the testimony of the goodness of God. Stop laughing. And I went up to this guy, and I said, bro. He went, what? That's all right. I'm used to that. I'm like, ah, it's all good. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a Christian, and I want to pray for you. He's like, Why? I was like, because I just believe God loves you. And he's there for you. And I'm feeling the anointing of God. He goes, honestly, man, appreciate it. Not interested. Walked off. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I stood there and I was like, what do I do? And I felt God say, no, you're good. That's all I wanted. I don't know if that was for him or if it was for me. Because I've told you this before, you know, like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to speak at like a big conference in Sydney. And, and, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way. It's easy when there's 800 people that have paid money and you've been marketed as this amazing person and you go and it's still an honor, it's still powerful, God still moves. Westfield is the hard ministry. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Anyway, Jeremiah, yeah, amen. I don't know why we're clapping, but amen. Jeremiah is feeling this way. You know, I remember, uh, not to name drop, but Heidi Baker uh, laid hands on me. <laughs> <clears throat> in uh, 2010, it's not a big deal. So did, so did Roland, her husband, <clears throat> and her intern whose name escapes me. No, but, 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 but uh, Roland came up to me and he hit me with his Bible. And uh, I, I still think I'm a pretty good Holy Ghost drinker, but 2009, 2010, Fred, he, was, he needed Jesus. So he just, he was a conduit, man. He was, oh. So he hit me with his Bible and I went out. And Heidi Baker, I've told you this before, I think, but it's okay, you don't remember things I say. He, she, she, she didn't lay on me, because that would be weird and inappropriate, but she sort of slouched upon me. Uh, and I remember, because when you're, okay, let's just talk about this. When you're down and slain in the spirit, you still know what's going on. You're not like out of it, but you're feeling God. And you're like, when do I get up? Is my navel showing? You know, like we want to see heaven, but we don't want people to see our snail trail. You know what I mean? And so, and so I was on the floor, and Heidi Baker's slouching on me, and she just grabs my like chest. And she's like, it's, it's pretty intense. I'm like, oh, hey, honey, it's Heidi Baker. That's fun. <laughs> Selfie. And she goes, she goes, I see that you're going to be a preacher. She said, and there will be a fire shut up in your bones. And then she just started prophesying. She's like, and Asia's going to open to you first. She did. Uh, and then she starts just prophesying this stuff. I felt a pain in my bones. I just want to just talk about A fire shut up in your bones isn't like always comfortable. I was like, ah, this is uncomfortable. I believe that as we come into this time of prayer and fasting, we are going to get uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable this morning drinking my athletic green juice. Okay? In fact, I was bordering on depression. And then Pastor Rob told me a testimony, and I was like, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. That's why we have green... Anyway. We've got a fire shut up in our bones. I believe that even though the days are becoming a tighter squeeze and even though there's different legislations and different things, I believe we are on the cusp of one of the greatest revivals we have ever seen. And I actually think that the tightness of culture is, is always a pretty clear precursor to God moving. It's also a precursor for our comfort levels being attacked, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. 
I'm not Heidi Baker, in case you were wondering. I'm not like one of those ones that's like, you know, like give me like the cement floor and like the third world. I'm like, nah, give me aircon and a full auditorium and God's going to move and then we'll have Nando's, you know what I mean? And, and God loves me and he's fine with that. A fire shut up in my bones. I love what the Bible says about bones. You know, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones, didn't he? There's a valley of dry bones. He begins to prophesy life and wholeness and fullness and, and sinew. And, and I just love that story. I'm not actually preaching from that story, but I love that, that picture of what was dead comes to life when the people of God, because it's no longer just a man of God or a prophet. It's me and you, all of us, prophesying to things that are dead. But I think there's a, an even crazier story. In 2 Kings 13, 21, it says this, Then Elisha died and they buried him. It makes sense, doesn't it? Sometime later, raiding bands of Moabites, as they often did, invaded the country. It's a real issue. One day, some men were burying a man and spotted the raiders. The Bible is so funny. They threw the man into Elisha's tomb and got away. So let's just picture this for a second. You know, you're, you're, you're part of the department that takes bodies, and, and you're going there, and someone goes, What's that? Oh no, it's the Moabites. They're invading again. What are we going to do about George? I don't know. We're near the cemetery. We can't just throw him on the ground. That's not our custom. We'll put him in someone else's tomb. Isn't that Elisha's tomb? Isn't that Pastor Elisha? It is. Okay, well, he won't mind. He's in heaven. So they throw him in. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life, stood up, and walked out on his own two feet. We have to be careful that we don't just read the Bible in a daily devotional and think it's a story. It happened. This is awesome. This is terrifying. What does this mean? I believe it means, and I, don't think, I think the semantic range, we can make this, I think it means that Elisha had such a consecration to God he had such a faith in him. He had such, such an unction in his spirit that even his bodily remains carried the presence of God. So when that body landed on his remains, he came to life. I don't know about you, that gets me pumped. What a sad day when dead men and women of God carry more unction than us that are living. Some of us go on tours to Jerusalem and Israel and there's nothing wrong with that. And we go to the, the chapel of Wigglesworth and we do all this different stuff and we go and it's great to honour and to, and to go and be inspired. But you don't need to go somewhere. You've got the living God on the inside of you. You don't need to go to Israel. He lives in here. I believe we're going to see a revival because we're going to pray and we're going to consecrate ourselves and our unction levels are going to go up. There's going to be something about you. There's going to be something about you. Where even when you're sleeping, even when you're dead and gone, there's going to be something left, an unction of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. It gets me pumped. You know, Heidi Baker slouched on me. It was awesome. She didn't come back to life. I was basically a sinner. 
speaking to the dry bones, speaking to the dead things. In Zechariah 12, it says this, in that day, and it's talking about the last days, I will make the clans of Judah, this is us, like a fire among pieces of wood and a flaming torch among dry sheaves, so they will consume on the right and on the left and all the surrounding peoples. It's a prophecy to the end times. Now, we're not preaching a message on the end times, but I don't think we're in the last, uh, you know, I think we're in the last days, if I'm being honest, and that could be a thousand years, I don't know. But I think God's Spirit promised to move in the last days. God's Spirit promised to move. Can I tell you, I was talking to a pastor from a church that got vandalized by people who disagree with Christian ideology. And we were on the phone and he was, I was doing the whole, oh, bro, that sucks. I'm sorry. He was getting pumped. He's like, this is spiritual warfare, Fred. He's like, our senior pastor prophesied at staff meeting that we are going to see the best year we've ever had because with persecution comes like flourishing. With persecution comes stuff. I think we might be in for some tricky waters over the next 50 years, but many will come to Jesus. I I believe the church is going to swell. I believe God's going to do things we've never seen Him do. I'm excited. Praise God. A pastor in Turkey last year during COVID um, was, was approached by the police and the Department of, of Affairs, uh, travel and, and visas, etc. And just to give you some context, this pastor wasn't like a hectic missionary, like Pentecostal, did a, amazing man of God, but he was quite quiet. He worked really well. This is good. He worked really well with the authorities. There'd been no issues. And during COVID, they came to him and they said, we're not sure about your visa. Would you sign this? And he had a look at it. And essentially what it was doing was it was going to kick him out of the country and send him back to America. And he was a, he's, only, he's a quiet, chilled out guy. And he's in this office. He's never, Turkey has some persecution, but he'd never experienced anything crazy. Uh, his church of a couple of hundred people met and were peaceful and it was good. He goes, no, 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 guys, let's work it out. And it just back and forth for an hour. And then eventually the police officer in the corner pulled his Glock out, put it to his head. This is last year in Turkey and said, sign it or I'll blow your brains out. And this pastor, who, very meek, had never, he just felt something rise up on the inside of him. I think it was a fire shut up in his bones. And he said, go ahead and shoot. I know where I'm going, but do you? And the police officer put his gun down and said to the other guy something like, I don't know the exact quote verbatim, but something like, this is weird, I'm leaving. And left. And that pastor is still there in Turkey, pastor. There's a a new level of Christianity, man. There's a new level of Christianity. I hope I never get a gun put to my head. I know there's a martyr's crown and stuff, but I'll also do other things and just, I'm happy. But if it does happen, I hope I would say, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. As for me and my house, we're going to come to church. As for me and my house, we're going to preach the gospel. And I believe you would too. There's a new type of Christianity. You know, Napoleon, the great general, once, I think we've got a fun picture, an old school picture, but he said there was once a mission where they had to, I love history, I love war history. They had to take this bridge and it was absolute suicide. The Cossacks on the other side had set up really strategic gun emplacements. It was basically a suicide mission, but they had to get to the bridge to blow it up to stop the Cossacks coming across and taking land. And so Napoleon said, I want men who do not know fear to accomplish the mission ahead. 
He had more volunteers than he could count. They took the bridge in a day. Why? Because his army was sold out to the vision. They believed in their general. They believed that they were going to achieve victory. Check this out. In Psalm, check this out. This blew my mind. Psalm 110.3 says, Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Your people. This is David prophesying again. That's me. That's you. We're going to be volunteers in the army of God. And even if the mission looks scary, even if it seems weird, even if it costs money, even if we don't get to eat food, even if we have to come down on a Tuesday night to an air-conditioned building and pray, God save us. We're going to say yes to the mission. We're going to say yes to the assignment. Let's be pumped. A young man once went to Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, and said, my glasses are falling off. He didn't say that to Spurgeon. What he said was, Pastor Charles, what do I do to see revival in my parish? What do I do to see revival in my church? And Spurgeon said, son, get on fire for Jesus and they'll come for miles to watch you burn. Set yourself on fire and they'll come for miles to watch you burn. You know, there was a, I was thinking about this. There was a, a guy at, at a church we grew up in came over from Hawaii. His name was Andrew Chi, a great man of God. And, and, and he was in the youth ministry and the way he would receive from heaven rocked my world. Have you ever done that? Have you ever watched someone receive and felt your, like, your spirit open to God a bit more? Because they're just receiving. And it was a bit annoying sometimes. He was just every service just crying and praying and receiving from God. And it did something on the inside of me. I want to be one that receives from God. I know, if I can speak to you as like an itinerant preacher for a second, I know so many preachers and worship leaders that want to move with the fire of God and the power of God, but they don't let the fire of God touch them. Because if you don't let it touch you, you're just setting up a brand. It's just a marketing technique. We need to be ones that that never let the fact that you're part of Kingdom Culture Church rob you of the need for encounter. Just because you go to a very Pentecostal church does not make you very Pentecostal. We need an encounter. We need a fire shut up in our bones. You know, I love, I'm almost done. I love Pastor Reinhard Bonkin. Like some of his quotes get me so amped. He's in heaven now partaking of his reward but one time he was flying to a city in Africa a city known for witchcraft and he got there and all the pastors in you know just curious said Pastor Reinhardt could you feel the demonic forces as you flew in when you stepped off the plane could you feel the spirits and the witch doctors (laughs) this is what Reinhardt said no I only felt the fire of Jesus when I fast and pray, I have a fire shut up in my bones. So if the devil tries to touch me, he'll burn his dirty fingers. I'm telling you, man, if the devil's been messing with you, if the devil's been messing with your family, start to pray, start to fast, seek God, and he'll burn his fingers. When he comes to your house, he'll burn his fingers. Praise God. Praise God. A couple of testimonies and I'm done. I feel the glory of God and my voice is leaving me. It is not good impersonating Pastor Reinhardt. It destroys your vocal cords. 
I heard another, this is not part of the sermon, heard another quote, he said, I get drunk listening to Reinhardt preach at home. I was listening to him last night and he said, indeed John baptized in water, but Jesus will immerse you in the liquid fire of God. And then he's like, who would say yes to the fire of God? And like 75 billion people run to the altar. I was on my lounge room with my, AirPod, my AirPods in because Adam was asleep. I was like, oh, come Pastor Reinhardt, fill me. But that's what we've got to be like. God, fill me again. Throw me in. Baptize me again. I want a fresh touch of God. All right, a couple of testimonies real quick. Let's whiz through them now. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. I say this because I'm not awesome at all, but God's awesome and He does stuff. Some of you will have seen some of these, act excited, but I tried to find a couple I've never told you before. This young man, actually, Brett, come here, check this out. He's having a moment. Do you know what that is? Yeah, nice. Good talk. <laughs> this young man was the first young man that is very precious to me. His name is Ikhwai, and he's, he, he lives in China. And he was the first person that fell over under the fire of God when I laid hands on him. So who knows, like, I'm like, I'm like, thanks, bro. You build my faith. But I remember laying hands on him. And now he's under some pretty Pentecostal pastors. But I remember laying hands on him and seeing him go down under the, the anointing of God. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, God wants to use me. What's that moment for you? Maybe you haven't had it yet, but a lot of us in this place have been Christians many years. What was the moment you're like, oh, God wants to use me. Maybe you haven't had that. Let's have it today. All right, next one. Let's whiz through them quickly. I've told you about this one. This is one of my favorite testimonies of all time because it's just so real. Uh, So if you've heard it before, sorry. If you haven't, this is awesome. So I was at a conference in Mackay uh, and this young man uh, got brought out of juvie for the night. Uh, One of the police officers uh, in Mackay was like, you know what? We're going to do like a growth program with some of the guys from Juvie and we're going to bring them to conference tonight. What a great police officer. They went, they came, I did an altar call and about, I only managed to get a photo with him but there was about five guys that were in juvenile detention with this guy and they all responded. And I I didn't know who they were. I felt God say, get them up on stage. They got up on stage and the police officer came in uniform and I was like, in my head, I was like, does he want prayer? Is he part of, what's happening? So I said, I just want to pray for you guys. And they were all, he's way happier there. That's post-service. He, they all looked like they were going to beat me up and they could have. And I just, but I didn't know. Sometimes it's great not knowing. I didn't know. So I was like, lift your hands to heaven. And they were like, and then I saw the police officer be like, and they were like. <clears throat> and so I went along as I do. I didn't realise if I'd known, I would have bailed. <laughs> but I was like, thank you, God. And he was the first one. And he went, he went, huh, drops the, because my mic was here, drops the F word as he falls over. So, boom, F, lands, hits the ground, eyes are wide open, staring at me like he's going to kill me, starts spontaneously speaking in tongues. But, uh, but in amongst that, he's swearing. <laughs> I do not know where my theology lies on that one, but God moved in power, it's amazing. Next one. Oh, this is, I haven't told you about this wonderful young lady. Her name's Bernie. And I went out to regional New South Wales and I preached at a pretty rough and ready church uh, in a town where 40% of the residents are addicted to ice. 
40%. And I did an altar call a couple of years ago and many came up the front, many were still with sores on their arms and we prayed and it was, it was a beautiful time. But Bernie stuck out to me because I prayed for her and she fell over under the Spirit. She began speaking in a heavenly language for the first time, but afterwards I was able to chat with her and her pastor. And both her parents... Her dad died when she was like four from an overdose. Her mum died when she was 10 from an overdose and she's 12 there. And she told me that when she, I said, you know, I said, what would you feel when when God touched you and when he moved? And she saw a picture of herself leading in worship on a stage and singing. And she saw her mum and dad behind her and Jesus was like looking at her. And now she worship leads at that church. She's on the up and up. And I just think, man, when we can create an environment for God to move, it's, it's so not about Fred going and preaching somewhere. It's about all of us going, how can we be hot coals that breathe on the left, on the right, right, quickly, quickly. Couple more, couple more. Uh, what do we got? Okay, this uh, lady, she's awesome. Uh, this was at the church in Melbourne. Uh, I was praying for her and um, she had a, had a pretty big, nice looking church. She had a full demonic situation going, which I don't know what it is. Demons seem to come out a lot at youth camps, but not so much on Sunday services, right? I don't know why. This lady starts shaking, dribbling. She was on staff. Her eyes roll in the back of the head. She starts swearing and gurgling. And I'm like pretending to keep my cool. I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, ah. We come over. And we just start declaring. And then the associate pastor, who's this little Indian man who hadn't said a word the whole conference, comes over. And I went, what's he going to do? And he just looked at her and observed what was happening. And then got his hands and started rubbing them together. I'm like, what is, is this going to be one of those weird ass stories? And he like, he's not, he's not his wife or anything. He like hits her in the stomach and goes, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. She goes, that didn't happen. And, and she gets like, you could see this thing just lift off her. When we create an environment, something happens. Why don't we stand in the house this morning? Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with him today. When we read scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus his son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life with him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that, and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.